You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday. On Friday, late on in the day, we got the news of the NBA schedule being released. We know the eight teams that the Pelicans will be playing, and we are excited because it's pretty good, all things considered. We're going to obviously talk about this all week long, but for today's episode and likely tomorrow's episode too, it's actually going to be over two episodes, I've got Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com to break it all down with me, the official source from the team. So without further ado, let's just dive into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I've got Jim Eichenhofer, Pelicans.com beat writer uh, covering the team. And Jim, thanks for taking the time today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jake. No, this is this is exciting because well, first and foremost, like you, you, you. We were talking a little bit before we started recording and all of this, but things have been good. You've been doing well during all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's as everyone knows, it's been absolutely miserable 2020. But I'm an optimist. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I've said that about various things work wise this year. That I mean, we'll, we, I'm sure we'll get into this as far as the setup in Orlando, but. I've said this, I think, on the podcast on our site that I want to try to look at things from a positive standpoint and see, okay, what are some of the ways that we can take advantage and capitalize on a completely unprecedented situation of the way that we're going to be covering these games, just to give one example. No, I, th- I, th- I think that's like a big thing when you, when you try and look at some of this. You've got like, uh, if you have more leeway to do just different things and to try different things to see what works, right? Because if something sure. fails, everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, look at what we're in. Like, it's yeah. worth trying different coverage broadcast techniques and all of that stuff. And, and I think the biggest thing, I don't want to go too long on this because I know we have a bunch of stuff to get into, but I think the biggest thing for me from a general standpoint is I'm curious to see what t- when you remove all of the logistics that you have during the season, because I've done 82 games for the last six full seasons of since basically since the team became Pelicans, I've been at every regular season game. I'm curious to see once you remove the time element of that, of some of the things that I can do just – I mean, it's not a good thing that it's set up this way, but I, but I am just interested to see, okay, I have all this extra time now because I'm not traveling to the games. I'm not even driving yeah. to the Smoothie King Center. So we'll see. if, if well, the, I guess the fans will decide whether they got a better version of me or a worse version of me. So, we so we're going we're gonna to see some different things, some weird things potentially up there I, on pelicans.com? I wouldn't say that. I would just say that I'll, the way that I'm going to be using my time is going to just be totally different just because I won't – have some some of the different things that I have to do under normal circumstances. No, that makes sense. No, no experimental weird weird pros going up there. <laughs> you know what? I I guess I have a few weeks until the games start, and we have a little time before some of the regular interviews happen. So maybe I should get on that and start coming up with some different ideas that are. I'm expecting like a uh, like a Pelicans musical, maybe. <laughs> you know what? My mom was a music teacher for thirty plus years. You bring so her in, make this a fan. As I get off. As soon as I get off this call, maybe I'll call her and say, <laughs> you know what, this might sound crazy, but Jake suggested that a Pelicans musical would be a good idea. And I guarantee you, 
She would love that idea. <laughs> I don't know what it, where it would go, but she would love the idea. It's, it's, it's fine. It, it doesn't need to go anywhere. It can just be a little bit of fun here. Um, all right. I'm looking forward to that in the future. That's like a verbal <laughs> contract here for the audience too. So this has to happen. No backing out. Um, so we'll look forward to that in the future. But the big news coming out this past week was the, Pel the NBA schedule has finally come out. We've seen finally what the Pelicans eight-game Orlando schedule is going to be. After kind of a tough first two games, things really open up. And, you know, all things considered, the Pelicans losing out on that really easy finish to the season. This isn't the end of the world, kind of the way things shook out for him, is it? No. I mean, man, we could talk for probably 45 minutes about the reaction to the schedule Friday <laughs> night nationally. And people saw me rant, probably, the people that follow me on Twitter. So I don't probably don't need to get into that again. But, I mean, you're right as far as – they have of the 22 teams, they have quote unquote, the easiest schedule there on paper. Um, I think the toughest part was there was really no way to reflect the quote unquote easiness of the remaining 18 games, just because you remove all these games that they, all these teams that they could have played. And it was weird. I remember when the season schedule came out way the heck back in August that I, I know one of the first things I noticed was like, man, they play a lot of East teams in, in March and April, but it's, it's just funny how it turned out that they never got to a lot of those games. Like, they had two against Atlanta. They had one against yep. Orlando, New York. Um, so they had they had a bunch of games left against um, some of those teams that didn't even get invited to Orlando. I, so for multiple reasons, I'm kind of upset that they're not getting those two against the Hawks. One, because of being able to see Vince Carter in person one last time would have been awesome. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they. I don't want to complain too much because I remember there was a stage where I'm sure people heard a million different reports. There was a part portion of the summer where it seemed like the media uh, narrative was starting to go towards, you know, maybe they should just have 16 teams. Yeah. And then, so it's like, yeah, I get what you're I, saying. I, I kind of, I kind of fall in the middle of like, I don't want to, I'm happy that the Pelicans are involved and it's disappointing. Some aspects of it, aspects of it are disappointing, including like the way they did the play in round, I think was, was tough because you could have made the argument that if they had played the 18 games that maybe they, they, finish ahead of Memphis and they still could, mm -hmm. but it was so much more realistic when you have 18 games to finish ahead of an eighth place team instead of eight, the way it is now. Yeah. No, I, one of the things I've said to a lot of people, I was just talking to someone on Twitter about this is like, look fair. And like what's right kind of goes out the window, I think in terms yeah. of sports in like the middle of mm -hmm. this pandemic and it's whether they're included or not, like it kind of is what it is. And you've just got to make the best of the situation. I think we, it, you know, it's basically Lanyap essentially that the Pelicans are included in these 22 teams. Do you, you hold any credence to the conspiracy? The NBA absolutely like did everything they could to get Zion in here. No, I mean, I, I think when you really break it down, and I, I don't want to spend 10 minutes just on this, but we, <laughs> when you really break it down in terms of how they wanted to incentivize the games in Orlando and the situation with how many games back, some of the, both teams were in both the East and the West, especially the, eight, the West in terms of eighth place. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like they kind of set it up in a way that made sense that in terms of you, you want to make sure that all the games – you don't want to have teams go there that have nothing to play for. Yeah. So I think if they, if they basically cut it off – and people would argue with me on this about um, Washington and Phoenix, but it seems to me like they cut it off at a point where you get all the teams that are there have a realistic chance to maybe make something out of getting into the play in round where if you added, you know, like I, I I'm with you on the Vince Carter thing, but if you add Atlanta and some of those teams like that, you're starting to get to the point where it's like some of these teams will play two or three games and out of the eight and they'll already be eliminated. So 
there, no, there's no point. Like, why would those? Why would some of those players show up unless it's to earn some money? Which that's fine too. But I think it kind of compromises the quality of basketball that you're going to see, or almost like the integrity of having competitive games that do sure. impact the standings. If like one team is more or less just kind of tanking during that time, even if it's not for a pick, just because it, you know there's potential danger, I guess, right? Right. And I think, I think a lot of people were intrigued by the play-in round idea. And if, if you go in, if the NBA goes into this with any notion at all of having a plan, you couldn't, you couldn't have just had like, okay, we're just going to have Portland as the ninth place team. And we're just going to have Washington as the ninth place team in the East. Cause especially when you consider how unfair that would have been that new Orleans and Sacramento have almost exactly the same record as Portland. So like to me, the way that they did, it made a lot of sense. And I, I don't think that there's much validity to the whole conspiracy. The only thing that I think you could argue is that, okay, they could have just had 16 teams and then mm -hmm. Portland, New Orleans, all the teams I listed would, would not have been there and Zion wouldn't have been there. But if you have a play-in round, you have to have New Orleans there. I think. Yeah, I think it's like you said, any of the teams that were in competition that if you were to have played out those 18 games would have still been in competition or you know for the eighth seed in some capacity towards the end. So I think it does make a lot of sense that the Pelicans were included. We'll continue the conversation with Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com in just a minute. Before we do that, though, the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Today's show is also brought to you by Blinkist. It can be hard to find the time to sit down to read to learn more. And when you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. And when you're stuck at home right now, it's kind of the last thing you want to do. It's tough to shake old habits, start reading a book when you haven't really done that in a while. And that's okay. You're like millions of Americans in the majority of the country when it comes to things like that. But I got a bit of a secret weapon and it is Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. And Blinkist takes the best key takeaways the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I used to listen to these driving to the office on the way to work when I was going into an office. Now that I'm working from home, when I find I have 15 minutes, it's great to throw on. You're on a webinar, you're on a Zoom call that you're not paying attention to. Put this on in the background while you're muted. Catch up on reading something, hearing something, learning more about something that you want to know. If you check out the New York Times bestseller list. They've got them all listed on there because Blinkist has basically every popular book that you could want. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for just one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. So the easy schedule does get kind of reflected in this. They open against the Jazz, then they play the Clippers. But then after that, it's the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Wizards, the Spurs, the, uh, the Kings again, and then the Magic. You know, it opens up basically six of those eight are unbelievably winnable. Probably all eight, I think you would consider very almost winnable for the Pelicans. And I saw the Pels were favored by one against the Jazz already for this opening game. So this ended up kind of working out in their favor and kind of the right thing by them, I think. Sure. 
I mean, I think the, the only tough part about it is that you have to, you, you, there's, there's no margin for error. I think anybody that understands the standings and the, and the math and that kind of thing realizes that you can't lose two or three games in a row. And they do start with, like you said, the Jazz and the Clippers. Both teams are in the top four in the West. But I think in addition to some of the things that you mentioned, the, the other part I like about it is that to some extent they, they have their destiny in their own hands because they play some of the teams that are either – obviously Memphis is ahead of them, but they also play Sacramento, which is in a tie with the Pelicans twice, and then they have a game against the Spurs as well. So I like that part of it. I know a lot of people thought maybe they'd have two games against Memphis, which would – even more to an even greater extent have put their destiny in their own hands as far as, okay, now you can beat them twice potentially and move up and be within striking distance of them. But I think as the schedule was laid out, I I like that part of it too, that it's not like it's going to be entirely scoreboard watching where you have, you're playing against a set of teams and you need all these other teams that are ahead of you in the standings to lose and you have no control over that. So I like that part of it. Um, Of course, I think, there's going to be a ton of scoreboard watching and there's going to be a ton of every single day people saying, oh, how are the Grizzlies doing? How are the Kings doing it? So on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, so uh, the Grizzlies schedule is, is significantly tougher. They play the trailblazers, the Spurs, the Pels, the jazz thunders, Raptors, Celtics, and then the bucks in the final game, the bucks in the final game is not, I think ideal for the Pelicans in this because conceivably the bucks are probably resting people because I think they only need to win three games to lock up the one seed in the East which maybe means they're going to be resting guys there. But, yeah. you know, so for that aspect, I think they're scoreboard watching. But you make a very good point. It's Pels are kind of in control here. They only need to get into nine. You know, we're not worried as much about the eight spot, though that would make things a little bit easier. But just getting into nine, and from that, I think the Kings are probably the biggest threat to this team, more so than maybe the Portland Trailblazers, who are in ninth currently. And when you play them twice, that's huge, right? If you win those two games, it's going to almost – you know, at least eliminate the Kings. You still got to worry about Portland to a degree, but Mm -hmm. like you said, controls your own destiny somewhat. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of this is going to, we're going to have to see how it plays out as the games go along, because the one thing that's a little tricky about Portland that you have to factor in is that the Pelicans have to win at least one more game than them. So it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to get off to a a bad start while Portland gets off to a good start. Cause all of a sudden that one game that you need to win more than them, could be two or three, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is a, a pretty big deficit. But, um, but, but I mean, you're right as far as just having more of an opportunity to, to dictate your fortunes and your fate is is definitely a good thing and something that was a another plus of the eight game schedule. Yeah, it, I saw you had tweeted out that they're the only team with a schedule under 500 over these final eight games, which is like kind of incredible when you think about it. Given that you know you're inviting teams that are in contention and so to get some of those games on there where it's against teams under 500 really helps although that so is there any game other than the first two that really worries you or you can see tripping up the team in some capacity um it's hard for me to use the word worry I would say um I I honestly think like every game you have to be concerned because there's no bottom feeders in the NBA that are coming to this from the fact that they remove the, the bottom eight teams. So, I mean, if you, if you look at it, like the Pelicans just try to be as objective as possible. The Pelicans did really well against Memphis in those two games, but mm-hmm. um, I think Memphis is going to look a lot different because of some of the guys they have coming back from injury. Yeah. Pelicans also didn't have Zion in the first game. So, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different factors health wise. Um, Sacramento, the game, 
it, it's tough even sometimes, you know, I start re- listing games in the regular season and there's so many different factors because Zion only played 19 games. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's kind of hard to say and hard to predict in a lot of ways. So the, the other part of it is like, we just don't know what the basketball is going to look like, right? You know, yeah. teams are going to be entirely different. They've basically had a layoff that's what, as long if not longer than the off season they normally get. There's probably going to be some degree of it just being like the start of the year where maybe you're some figuring some things out. You've got to build some chemistry again with your yeah. teammates. So I think a lot of that will carry over. How do you see some of the, the play going down? Just being good, bad, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely reasonable to ex- expect there to be some rust in the first couple of games. But I do think that the way that they laid this out where you have this multi-week training camp in your city and then you're going to have two or three weeks before you play games in um, Orlando, I think helps. I think for the Pelicans specifically, the fact that the I thought the chemistry was getting very good and they were one of the better teams. I, I've said a couple times there, I think they were a top – team in the NBA after Christmas, if you look at record-wise and just the way that they were playing, they, a lot of their losses that they had after Zion came back were against some of the best teams in the league, like Milwaukee um, and a few other teams. So um, I think there's a lot of things that you could point to that it just seemed like the, that New Orleans was trending up at the, at the time of the suspension of the, of the league in March. Whether they can carry that over to late July, or I mean, you could probably say this for any of the 22 teams that are there, I think it's hard to say because it's just such a weird situation that, I mean, you have four or five months in the off season, but you're coming back with new players and you have a normal training camp. This is just something that I don't know how we could even compare it to anything else. No. And that's like a lot of things. Like I don't think a lot of that team chemistry and a lot of the stuff you've built this year just kind of vanishes. You know, you've seen teams from year to year able to carry a lot of this over. You know, I think you see like a guy like Lonzo Ball who is really starting to excel and he knows where to get the ball to his teammates and where they like it. And it's not like you just forget a lot of those things. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Pelicans might be in a pretty good position when they resume play because they're able to carry some of it over. They might be a little bit rusty with certain things, but overall I think it definitely means that uh, they can, uh, you know, kind of take care of things. Um, does that mean then maybe it's a little, it's better that they catch the jazz and the Clippers as the first two games. Do you think? Hmm. It's an interesting question to think about. I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think the Clippers, I think probably both the Clippers and the jazz have some pretty decent cohesion, probably more so the Clippers in terms of that they were a little bit more, had a little bit more stability. It seemed like the jazz had a stretch where, they played a certain way when Mike Conley was there and then a, a different way when he was out and then he came back and they had kind of a, a bunch of, you know, funky stuff that happened just based yeah. on them trying to figure out what was the best lineup. That, so yeah, that could be a disadvantage for them because uh, I mean, and I know Bogdanovich is out for the rest of the season. That, so that that's big for them. Too. I think, yeah. you know, like he was really good. He played exceptionally well against new Orleans too. Um, in those two games the team played that were really fun, I think, too. So mm-hmm. that's, um, I think, a big, big loss for them going into this. That one makes sense, though, because if they're going to have a shorter offseason, maybe getting that surgery and being able to fully recover for next year makes sense. But, yeah, that is a big loss. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the Clippers, I think, are, you know, probably have a little bit more stability based on how many veteran guys they have and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think in general, this is slightly different topic, but along the same lines, as much as I think everyone of course wants to see the Pelicans do as well as possible. 
to me and win as many games as they can. And of course, the the prize at the end of the road hopefully is you get into the playoffs and you get to play against the New Orleans' favorite out of town team, the Lakers, in the play, in the you know the round the quarterfinals. But the, to me, like one of the biggest parts of this is just the experience of getting to play in some of these pressure games and some of these situations where it's like you don't have, as I said earlier, you don't have a lot of margin for error. And, you know, these aren't technically playoff games, but I think a lot of them are going to be very much like that, especially when you consider how much of a buildup there's been of just months and months at a time waiting to play. And now all of a sudden you're back on the court and the season's at stake. So again, we will continue our conversation here with Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Today's show, though, is also brought to you by Built Bar. You guys have heard me talk about these a lot because I truly believe in them. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, period, full stop. There you go. I've been eating these daily as a meal replacement during lunch right after my workout. My girlfriend is now eating these as well after really trying them and really digging it the other day too. They are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with unbelievable flavors that are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. You don't need to chug down a bottle of water after you have one of these to get that kind of chalky dryness out of your mouth. They are great if you're trying to lose or maintain some weight well, not just eating something that is going to make you miserable. They've got a couple of flavor profiles. Whether you're looking for 20 grams of protein, they've got 170 calories, or 15 grams of protein and 110 calories. These are a great option. And if you compare them to the other bars on the market, look at the sugar, look at the net carbs. Built Bar is pretty much going to win every single time. I eat these. I've reordered a couple times because I really, really like them. And if you want to try them, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off over at builtbar.com. It's if all of these eight are going to feel like playoff games to me in for like sure. a weird way. Like I just can't think of these as like normal basketball games. And I'm sure when we <laughs> watch them, like every mistake is going to feel amplified in a way that probably it shouldn't be, but it's, it'll yeah. be interesting. I think because yeah, it's, it's do or die. Like you mentioned, there's very little margin for error in this. They have to win at least one game more than the Portland Trailblazers, essentially, to mm-hmm. potentially be in ninth and be within, uh, you know, shooting range, basically, of the Memphis Grizzlies. And then you've got to try and beat that. And, like, when you think about it, they would then have played the Grizzlies. They're going to have to win, basically, if they get into ninth, what, go 5-0 and oh this season against Memphis. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one way to look at it, for sure. It's, I mean, That's hope, hard to do. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, you hope that it doesn't come down to that, and you hope that somehow you can move ahead of them for eighth. We, we already talked about how their schedule is very tough, and New Orleans is, on paper, is the easiest in, of the 22 teams. But I talked about this on the podcast on our site of saying, like, I don't even want to think too much about eighth until – you play Memphis, and then the result of that game will tell you probably whether you still have a chance for eighth or not. And you, yeah, you know. no, that's a good point. Like, the, the, this stuff is just a base – you know, we kind of think about I'm, – I'm thinking more about nine than even eight, and it's just mm-hmm. can you kind of get in that striking distance, and I think that's maybe the first goal for him because, Definitely. you know, it, it doesn't matter. You still – no matter what, you're going to have to beat them, and even if you beat out the Memphis Grizzlies or you have a better record than – you have a better record than Portland – in all of this, and then you get into that 8-9 playoff situation, you still need to win two more, and it's like, man, it's the 8th seed definitely had an advantage going into this, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that was part of why I talked about earlier that the whole 18 games left to overcome 3.5 versus only 8, because it's just like, 
it's just daunting. And then if to just to be in that position, and I, and again, I understand why the NBA did it the way they did. They wanted to make sure that, you know, Memphis is in eighth place in the West. And um, I think Orlando is in eighth place in the East and they have, they both have a reasonable cushion. So you, you wanted to give them some element of an advantage if they in fact do hypothetically build even more of a lead and not say like, okay, well, no matter who's ninth, you have to play them and you only get one chance. And then, so I get it. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's again, I think also fair goes out the window somewhat in this. You try and yeah. do what you can to accommodate everyone and to kind of do right by people. But at the end of the day, it's like, you've got to restart the league and you've got to play and you've got to kind of find the way that, you know, makes that work, which there's no perfect scenario on this sort of thing. In terms of Pelicans players, do you think that anyone has a lot to gain over these eight games that the team, you know, at minimum eight games, let's be optimistic, right? Uh, That the team might, uh, that anyone has a lot to gain over these minimum eight games that they've got. I mean, I think there's a ton of guys because of the, the lack of an individual experience in huge situations, the lack of general um, experience in the NBA overall. I mean, you have a few, you have four rookies on the team, two of whom played a good amount, three if you count Jackson Hayes, but two of them that were on the court a lot at, in mid-March when the season was suspended. Um, you have a guy like Brandon Ingram who's never been to the playoffs. Um, all, all three of the guys from the Lakers have never been in playoffs. Yeah. So I feel like they have a chance to gain a lot from the experience of playing there. I mean, for Ingram specifically, I'm so excited for him to be able to be on this quote-unquote stage. I feel like people have definitely started to understand nationally how good of a player he was. Obviously, he was a first-time All-Star this year, and he opened a a lot of eyes with how good he is and how much potential he has. But I think he's one of the guys that I'm looking forward to the most as far as the opportunity for him to play. And, and of course, Zion. I mean, it almost goes without saying, like, for him to have missed 44 games, played 19, and then have to sit out for another three or four months, I'm just happy for him as well to just have an opportunity to get get back out on the court and get some more NBA games under his belt after – He's had the weirdest rookie NBA season of anyone in the history of the league, pretty much. Yeah, look, very, very much so, I think. And look, you know, he has a chance to really kind of send a notice to the league more so than he already has. You know, when David Griffin spoke to the media a couple weeks ago, months ago now, I don't even know, time feels so weird with everything, that he'd said he'd been going into the facility because he was kind of allowed to go in and rehab, and that's not the same as getting shots and work done, but... For him, the bigger thing was kind of flexibility, being kind of physically in peak condition. So he potentially can come in and look even better than what, you know, how he was already playing. And he was playing outstanding when the season hit the suspension point. For sure. I mean, that's a great point. And I think this is something I'll probably talk to with Antonio Daniels a little bit more when I get more of a chance to talk to him when we get close to the games. But I'm really interested in the mental aspect of this for a lot of players, including Zion, just the fact that he's had the last few months to kind of probably watch some film a little bit and just think about like, Hey, look at how I did in those 19 games. And what's your confidence level now after you're able to have some time to think back at like, okay, these are some of the things I did. Well, here's some of the things that I should need to do a little bit better. I need to slow down in this part of the game. I need to work on my, do this better with my footwork. I need to improve my positioning. Um, I mean, not just for him, but just for a lot of guys, I think there's a, there's a really interesting mental part of this that will be something to kind of watch and follow and of course we're going to have to ask some of these guys about it in in terms of the impact of are there going to be guys who come back and play even better than they were when the season was uh still going in March or 
are there going to be some guys that just struggle because of the rust or because of just the adjustment of not being on the court in real games for a while? All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. There's going to be more to come with Jim. We're going to pick up right where he left off basically here, and we'll continue this conversation on Wednesday's show. We'll stretch this out over two parts because he and I went pretty long when we recorded this, and it's got some awesome stuff in there for you all. So big thanks to Jim uh, Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com coming on with me again. Follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Uh, and I'll be back with you all on Wednesday. And in the meantime, check out the Locked On NBA podcast, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network, because we've got everything uh, coming to you about the league and the restart and everything you're going to want to know. It's going to be an essential part of the next couple of weeks for you as we gear up for the return of the NBA. So thank you all for listening. I'll be back with you all with Jim on Wednesday. Wednesday.